Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Tuesday, November 7th. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, Kirk Bowles is here. Cedric Golden's here. Uh, hopefully Thomas Jones is able to jump on. He's probably still recovering from the season opening basketball game last night, but we're gonna we're gonna yeah, I was go, there. I was go, there. Go forward with Adam and hopefully Thomas uh, Thomas jumps on here soon. But um thank you for watching us on YouTube. Thank you for watching us on statesman.com or listening to us wherever you get your podcasts. But we have a jam-packed show, a lot of things to talk about. So let's kind of get into it. Uh Texas 33, Kansas State 30 this past Saturday at DKR. Game was decided in overtime. I had some drama up to the very last play. We did. I was control alt deleting my story. Kirk wasn't able to start his column. Said wasn't able to start his column. It was a masterclass in deadline writing. If you picked up the Sunday newspaper, but uh, let's kind of stop. Start right there. That fourth down stop. Kansas State decides to go for it. Texas is up by three after kicking a field goal on the first drive of overtime. Kansas State gets down to the four yard line. Decides to go for it. Will Howard, their fine quarterback. Uh, Drop back to pass. Texas pass rush got to him, and he was just kind of able to fling it up and Devondre Sweat. I don't know if he was trying to intercept it or what, but it ended up on the ground. So Texas survives. When we look back at this season and we're putting together a highlight reel, is that fourth down play? Is that the first play on the highlight reel? Was that the play of the year for Texas? Uh, Kirk, we'll start with you. Yes, because it's the most recent. But, you know, right before that, you could say Burt Auburn's, you know, 42-yard field goal, you know, was – uh was just as big or bigger. He misses that, and K-State probably tries a field goal. You don't know, but you figure they'd try a field goal. Well, then you can go back before that, go to the Houston game, Jade Barron on the fourth down stop against Houston. That gets away from him. Uh, but I would probably say, you know, Jade's play, and I think the, the fourth down stop were two of the biggest. And one thing I mentioned in my nine things uh, tomorrow is uh, when you go back and look at it, you know that uh, – thing that created that uh, fourth down play was when uh, Baron Sorrell, you know, had the backside pursuit and ran down, I forget which of the ball carrier was, and made it fourth and one. Uh, and that was, uh, that led to the missed field goal in, in regulation uh, when they couldn't make that, if I remember correctly. Maybe I'm misremembering, but uh, so many big plays. But yeah, that that final play probably ranks number one right now to me. Said, where does that rank for you? Uh, two. Uh, Jade in Houston was a big deal. Uh, they they felt like they were in collapse mode to me, and um, yeah. they, it's bad habit of playing to the competition. Now, K State's good. Um, I'm not I'm not talking about K State, but I'm talking about Wyoming, and I'm talking about Houston uh, teams that just kind of stuck around that shouldn't have been sticking around um, that they could have put away. And I think a lot of that is on Coach Steve Sarkeesian, who just insists on going for it on fourth down. Um, and short, instead of just banking field goals, banking the money early on. It's like, to me, I treat it like going for two. I don't go for two until the second half, and I'm I'm not going for it on fourth and three until I have to, especially if I'm playing with house money. I love the idea of trying to land a knockout blow, but who's to say 
uh, if you're not up 23 nothing or what have you um, against uh, K-State or whomever, that, that, that just maybe you're going to be better off making them take them out of their uh, comfort zone by building a lead. I know – I think Houston would have gone away if Texas had kicked that field goal early. I need to give some love to the offense. Apparently, this is a defense show. Obviously, Jade, Jade's fourth down stopping Houston was huge, as was the Baron Sorrells, Tavondre Sweat, that pressure, as well as fine work of the secondary with uh, Ryan Watts and David Benda and stuff like that, kind of the opposite of what happened in the Oklahoma game. But um, Xavier Worthy's touchdown catch against uh, Alabama still kind of sticks out in my in my mind. It was an early shot. It sent the message that Texas was – was here and could compete with this Alabama team on the road in Tuscaloosa and kind of set the tone for that 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 win. And that win, when it all of a sudden done, this Texas team is contending for a playoff spot. We're going to be talking about that win in Alabama as the number one mark on their resume as opposed to them surviving against the Kansas State team. Obviously, if they lose that game against Kansas State, the conversation's moot. But that win in Alabama is what's going to be carrying this Texas team if they have any shot at getting into the college football playoff. And I thought that, that Xavier worthy touchdown catch from Quinn Ewers, 44 yards, that was the that that was the defining moment of that of that game. So I'll, I'll give a little love to the offense. Those guys <laughs> nearly nearly enough love from uh from the hey, media. And you know what, Danny, that wasn't an easy catch if you remember. I mean, that's over the shoulder and he's kind of twisting and uh you know, it wasn't the perfect pass. So, boy, you're dead on there. That was just a huge play this year. Um, speaking of Quinn Ewers, speaking of the college football playoff chase and the rest of this Texas season, um, against Kansas State, Malik Murphy made his second uh, career start. Over two starts, he has led them to two wins. That's the most important stat. He's thrown three touchdown passes, which is also very good. Has also had four, four turnovers, a couple of which have been just ill-advised throws. Has struggled at times, which should be expected for a redshirt freshman making his second career start. But the fact of the matter is, does Texas need Quinn Ewers back to make a playoff run um, and get into the playoff, win a Big 12 championship? Can they get by with Malik Murphy, or do they need Quinn Ewers back? Who Steve Sarkeesian did say was throwing at practice on Monday is now day-to-day as opposed to week-to-week with his uh, shoulder sprain. So who knows if he's going to play um, this weekend at TCU, we'll get to ask Sarkeesian again on Thursday when we, when we talk with him. But does Texas sneak win back? Said you kind of wrote about that a little bit um, after the game on Saturday in your column. So we'll start with you. Yes, they need him back. Um, I, I like I like the upside of Malik Murphy, but Malik Murphy is inexperienced and it shows. And he threw two passes that should have been picked off against K-State on Saturday. They were dropped. And so... I, I just think that he's not ready for this level of competition just yet. But the only way to get ready is to play. So it's kind of a it's kind of a uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, you're gonna live with the with the bad plays. Uh, he's a playmaker. He's got a great arm. He's electric. But I think that the experience of Quinn Ewers, uh, even though I don't know that his upside is as big as as Malik Murphy's is needed right now. They need a a calming force in that huddle, someone who they've been to war with, someone they know they can make plays, someone who won at Alabama earlier this year. Um I don't know who's gonna have the better career, but if you're asking me right now, um, and with three games left in 2023, I think Quinn Ewers gives them a much better shot to win games than Malik Murphy. Kirk. Yeah, he's a starter for a reason. He's a lot more stabilizing than 
than Malik Murphy, even with all the upside of Malik's talent. I mean, three interceptions and what is it, 70 passes, and Quinn had three and 213. Yeah, what did it was he go? 225 passes without an interception, wasn't it, Danny? Uh, so, and he, he throws some. He throws some scary passes at times too, as as we know. But uh, he's you know twelve and five in his career, and uh, Malik's two and zero oh, uh, after two home games with just a great defense that you know probably helped uh, bail him out. So I, I would say you know I've been impressed with Malik. I mean I know some people want him to play perfect, and golly, how could you? Th- that pass, but like you say, he's a redshirt freshman. It said said he, he hadn't been in this environment before. But uh, and one thing that uh, that Sark said on Monday, I thought was very telling. That last winning drive, you know, not overtime where he he didn't look that good, but that last drive, you know, sixty two of their sixty nine yards setting up the field goal were by passes. You know, he was five out of eight, and he's not a guy that gets rattled. Doesn't mean he doesn't make mistakes. He does. But, uh, yeah, i I just been thoroughly impressed. And I personally think they could get by without Quinn uh, these next three games. Iowa State, a little problematic on the road night game. But uh, are you saying Malik can't beat TCU, Cedarico? I didn't say anything. You were waving me off, okay. Speak your mind, sir. I think they need him. I think they need him. I think. I think. I. I, I think Iowa State is a trap game with Malik Murphy there. They're all trap games. No, no, but well, Iowa State especially because they're decent this year. They're better than we thought they were going to be. I think he can beat TCU without without Quinn. I do too. Iowa State on the road, raucous, mid November. It's going to be cold and nasty. Uh, yeah, I. I, I really believe that they need Quinn Ewers to win that game. I think they're offensively challenged Iowa State, so I think they can get by without them. What say you, Danny? I, I'd say they can beat all these three teams without Quinn. I, I think Malik, See? regardless, See? it's still Texas has more talent. Malik is the more talented quarterback. of. He's going to be the most talented quarterback of the TCU game and the Iowa State game and the Texas Tech game. Um, it's just a matter – they're, they'd be better off with Quinn, though. I mean, I think the two right. offense would be run better. I think Quinn, he's completing like 70% of his passes, which is ranked ninth nationally. He adds a, another dimension with his legs that Malik just doesn't have yet. I mean, Quinn can show, has shown that he can scoot a little bit this season. So I think the offense would run more efficiently if Quinn is in there. And Quinn has been making less mistakes this season than what we've seen with Malik. But if Quinn can't go, I still think this Texas team is just too talented to – you know, Malik is not me back there. You know, he's still <laughs> a four-star talented kid who's still developing and still growing and still figuring some stuff out. But I still think he'd be the best quarterback in all three of those games. Big 12 championship game, that's a different story. Obviously, a playoff game, if they make it, that's a different story too. But as far as these next three games go, I would say Texas can win with Malik. But I think they'd be a little bit less stressed out of Quinn if Quinn was back there and able to make it back. But we will see. We're going to do our TCU preview, not knowing who the quarterback is, but this Saturday we'll be heading up to Fort Worth, uh, me, me and Sed, and uh, Kirk Kirk will be up there too, as well as TJ, a couple of our esteemed photographers, and Caleb Young um, doing some digital work for us at 6.30 p.m. at Amon G. Carter Stadium on Saturday. If you're watching at home, it's an ABC game. Um, last year, another night game, is that DKR? And that's a game a lot of Texas fans want to forget. 17-10 loss. 
a brutal performance by the Texas offense. What does Texas have to do to avoid that this season? Obviously, this is a different TCU team. This is not the TCU team that made the playoff, but they still have a lot of, a lot of those guys back, and they're not going to be scared of Texas. So, Kirk, what does Texas have to do to avoid a repeat of 2022? Gore, score a touchdown, score a point on offense. That would be a nice change of pace. Uh, we all know they got a field goal. and <laughs> Did a bearing scoop and score, uh, and that was it. When when, when we asked Jalen Ford about that, he said, "Does your your offense need to outscore your defense in this game?" He couldn't help but chuckle a little bit. So that was their worst offensive game. I think we'd all agree. They just and for whatever reason, Sark refused to give the ball to Bijan. I guess he was channeling his you know, Arthur Smith, and he gave him twelve carries. You know. 12 carries for 29 yards. And we all know Bijan needs twice that many. So run the ball, Steve. Run the ball. I mean, you got Jonathan Brooks over 1,000 yards, 6.2 yards a carry, six in the nation. I think he's maybe third among power five backs. So I, I would like to think there will be a healthy dose of a run game. And uh, this is an offense, guys, as you know, they've scored over 30 points in all nine games. And I really don't see anything in TCU's uh, makeup that's going to keep them from doing that again on Saturday. Said so if you're if you're if you got the headset on, what are you what are you calling for? What do you what does Texas have to do offensively to kind of avoid another disaster? Be Texas, be who you are, be a power physical power running team. Jonathan Brooks, eighteen carries. C.J. Baxter, Baxter, ten carries. Keelan Robinson, three carries. Give it to your best players. This offensive line is supposed to be that good. Let's see how good they are uh, against a a team that's in the middle of the road, middle of the pack in the Big 12 in rush defense. I mean, they're giving up like 3.9 yards a carry. Texas should should be getting 4.5 in this game. Make it easy on your young quarterback. Run the football. Run to set up the pass, not vice versa. Don't come out firing like you did. When he when he replaced, you know, when he started in place of Quay. We don't need that. We don't need to see that. If he's handing it off and you're up six, 17, nothing, you'd be amazed how how comfortable he's gonna be with that lead. Run the football. And kick the field goal, Steve. Kick the field goal. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not one to say don't be Steve Sarkeesian is who Steve Sarkeesian is. I mean, the fourth down stuff, we just gotta get used to it at this point. <laughs> you know, there's gonna be one during the game that completely makes us shake our head. But, you know, there's also going to be a couple where C.J. Baxter mm-hmm. takes it off for 50 or, you know, helps him set up that field goal at the end of regulation. So it kind of is what it is, but you're correct. I mean, I'd, TCU had a good run defense last year, but the Bijan stats were completely befuddling, and they have a good run game this year. Lean on those guys. Get Xavier and Adonai um, in the mix and Jatavian Sanders as well. I mean, you have too many offensive weapons to be held to just a single field goal and – whatever his 30-yard rushing last year and 170 passing yards, your offense is just too talented. And I know the offensive line a little banged up, but you should be able to um, – if Colorado scored whatever Colorado scored to begin this season, you should be just fine um, offensively. And if if we're talking next week about offensive struggles, then, oh, boy, don't, don't know uh, – don't don't know where this we won't we won't be talking about the playoff anymore. That's that's for sure. But I think they have enough talent to get it done. Just lean on twenty four and and uh, uh, number four CJ Baxter and 
get on to Ames the following week. Um, speaking of Xavier Worthy, who we've spoken about a couple of times, when we talked to him on Monday. He said that Josh Newton, the TCU cornerback, call him one of the best corners in the nation. So that could be a fun matchup if Josh and Xavier kind of get uh, matched up, uh, matched up together. But is that the matchup you're looking forward to the most in this uh, in this game? Um, the wide receiver corner action, or is there something else you're going to be keeping keeping your eyes on on Saturday night? Kirk, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to keep it on that TC run defense. It hasn't been that salty. Oh my there, god, right? quit stealing my my answers. He asked me first. Ask me, he should ask quiet. me first that time because that's the obvious one. They're not. Go- they don't care about the throw. They're not afraid of. of you of wait the your turn. Kid. They're not. I mean, that's easy. Go ahead. Go ahead. What's what's left? Just stole all my thunder. I mean, you know, they what you know what K State did against TC ran for three hundred and forty three yards, three forty three, and and they didn't quite make that against Texas. When they get Texas, thirty three yards. So and they and they had and they had fifty two rush attempts against TCU. And uh, I know West Virginia had over two hundred yards. Iowa State. Had over 200 yards on, on the ground. And that Josh uh, Newton, Xavier Worthy, is a matchup I will enjoy and, and watch that. But as far as the most telling thing, I think it's a run defense against uh, that running back room for Texas. What say you, Danny? We're just skipping said. What say you, Danny? Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, obviously there's there's going to be some fun player matchups. I'm kind of interested to see coaching-wise. Um, you know, Sonny Dykes has had kind of Texas' number for whatever reason, both uh, – Last last year with TCU and also when he was at Cal, so um, for whatever whatever reason, you know. call it a family grudges or 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 whatever. So I'm kind of interested to see what he does. And obviously, Steve, you know, Steve's had one of these weird seasons where he's been really praised for turning around this program, but there's been a lot of question marks about some of his play calling decisions and some of the stuff, the fourth down stuff. So I'm kind of curious to see just kind of how that matchup goes, um, how how these offenses look and kind of who kind of can, who makes the fewer coaching mistakes, at least from, from our vantage points, because it's really easy to pick out coaching mistakes uh, from the press box as opposed to on the sidelines. So let's see what Sonny and Steve, uh, Steve does. And maybe we'll just stir the pot a little bit and bring up that uh, Sonny Dykes was maybe hired to Texas uh, a story, you know story, that, story that, again. Yeah. So we'll, we'll stir the pot a little bit about but on that this weekend too. Uh, said, did you want to add anything? Did you, did you find yeah, a matchup that Kirk did steal? No, but let's just say Josh Hoover is not Jared Goff, and he ain't Max Duggan. So that's that's all. <laughs> I'll, that's all I'll say on that. Yeah, Texas and fans, I'm sure, uh, tip their cap to Mr. Duggan, but we're not not sad at all to see him uh, graduate and get out get on out of Fort Worth. Uh, I think he's with the with the Chargers right now. But um, you know, we talked a little about Xavier Worthy. He's having another good season. Um, but also have another good season is Adam Knight Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia who's coming and it's kind of become the favorite target of Malik Murphy, three touchdowns in the last two weeks. Um, it's kind of big. I don't know if you want to pick one or the other. I'm going to ask you to who's our, who's wide receiver one, who, who is the top target in this, in this offense? Who are, who are you more scared about if you're the TCU defensive coordinator, uh, Adam Knight or Xavier said, we'll start with you this time since Kirk, uh, Kirk stealing answers. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Maybe <laughs> you're worthy is scary, a scary dude. And whatever Adonai's getting is because Adonai's talented. But if they're doubling somebody, it's X. He's the one guy, he's got that speed you just can't. You, you, it's hard to scheme against. 
pure speed. Adonai Mitchell is having a great year. But if but if it's a guy that's keeping me up at night, it's Xavier Worthy. AD has got the better hands. Xavier is a better receiver, I think. AD's had one drop all year, and X-Man's had four, I believe. But uh, Xavier, like Cedric said, he's just – He's an all-purpose guy, you know, and I'm on the Football Writers All-American Committee, and I'm going to push him for all-purpose uh, player of the year because, you know, he's averaging over 102 yards per game all-purpose. And we've seen him on those jet sweeps and end rounds. We obviously seen him on punt returns the last two games, and he almost broke one again to, against Kansas State. So uh, I love AD's hands. But uh, just something about Xavier, he's just electric and he's kind of a jitterbugger guy. And, and you know, he finds that crease and and uh, he can fly. So uh, I, if you made me choose, I'd take Xavier. But AD is just a phenomenal talent and uh, it's just quite a tandem. Who you got, Danny? I'd probably go with Xavier too, just because of how explosive he is. I mean, he can burn you from your five line, your five yard line. To the Texas five yard line or midfield. I think if you're March, if Texas is marching inside the red zone, I think you might start uh, shaking your boots a little bit about number number five and kind of what he's been doing, kind of been that top target for Malik recently. But it's just been fun watching these two. I mean, I think they're probably the best uh, duo since uh, Colin and uh, Devin Duvernay a few years back, um, as far as production wise is concerned. But once again, I mean, Jordan Whittington's you know, as Steve said a couple weeks ago, it's going to be in the NFL, whether it's on special teams or as a, as a receiver. And he's pretty much an afterthought in this offense just because of the production those two have given. And they haven't need, needed Jatavian Sanders to be like 100 yards per game. I mean, Jatavian Sanders, they've been kind of pick their spots with him um, running his routes, his routes because of what Xavier and Ad and I have done. So those two have just been really fun. But I'll, I'll give it to X just by – the slimmest, slimmest of margins, but uh, the, that's a good problem to have if you're a Texas fan having to pick between between those two gentlemen. Um, really quick, who, who do you got on Saturday? I'll, I'll pick t- Texas. Not going to pick the spread because Texas makes every game closer than they need, need it to be, but I'll I'll pick Texas this weekend. Texas by double digits. Yeah, I think Texas and they cover, don't you, Sid? I, I think it's it's kind of like a 30 to 14 kind of game. Spread 15. I don't know. I saw ten and a half Monday. I don't know what it is now. They'll, 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 they'll win by ten. They'll win by ten. It's double digits. That's a yeah. I, I don't. I don't take gambling advice from me, and I would not take gambling advice involving involving the horns. They've been making make, making people sweat a little bit. The the Longhorn fans like to gamble on their team, but um, as always, let's talk a little bit about what else is going on around on campus. It's a very busy week on campus. On Friday, if you want to head over to Meyer Stadium, the soccer team will be hosting Lamar in a first-round um, uh, NCAA tournament match. Uh, Texas is a 5 seed. Texas is also the Big 12 tournament champions. Angie Kelly and her her group uh, got it done um, on Saturday, beating BYU in the championship game. Um, Lexi Misimo has just been incredible. Uh, Trinity Byers having a great season as well. So uh, Texas, we'll see how far they can go in the tournament and see if they can make some noise as that 5 seed. Uh, the Texas volleyball team now ranked third in the ABCA pool. So Jared Elliott's crew just keeps climbing and climbing as they try to defend their national title. They're at Kansas State on Wednesday night. Uh, they play Cincinnati it's on Saturday. That game was actually moved up to 1 p.m. So if you were planning on heading to Gregory Gym, 
have to do it a little bit sooner, then, but then you can get home, watch that football game on ABC. Um, cross country, if you're into that, head on over to Fayetteville on Friday for the uh, South Central Regional. Uh, the uh, NCAA meet will be the following week for for the runners, which I I tip my cap to the, the cross country runners that their workload is insane because they're about to go straight into indoor season and outdoor season. And is this nothing but running? And that just seems as a, as a big guy over here, that just seems insane, insane to me. So, um, said cannot off as much as he wants, but that's the one sport. Oh, wait a minute. We're I'm not, not, we're not, we're not we're, we know we're not doing that. There's no, there's no glory days tales from us about our cross country days. So tip of our hat to the, to the runners. And then we're gonna talk a little basketball. The men opened up their season last night. They have another game against Delaware State on Friday at 8 p.m. You can do the soccer basketball doubleheader if you get a parking spot over in the main garage. That'll be uh, very convenient. But um, uh, Seth and Kirk, one player to watch from this team. They're ranked 18th on the AP preseason poll. Who's one player on the men's team that you're kind of keeping an eye on this season as they try to, you know, re um, – Reignite's the wrong word, but kind of match their magic from last season and uh, build off that Elite Eight run. Seth, we'll start with you. I watched them uh, on uh, Monday night. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Caden Shedrick, the big 6'10", 6'11", transfer from Virginia. He's got some. He's coming off some shoulder issues, but he gives them that beef they need in the middle. Um, you know, when they get to Big 12 and Kansas and West Virginia always have good big guys, and Texas seems to always be undersized. But he's given he's going to give them that that girth that they're going to need in the middle. Uh, help Dylan Mitchell out and um, uh, looked good. He's not in shape yet, he says, but uh, he's going to give them a good dimension. Uh, someone they can dump the ball off into and get some buckets. Uh, so I, I I like what I saw from him early. He's my guy. Kirk, who are you keeping your eye on this season? Who's who's a player to watch? Well, I think Dylan Mitchell's just going to explode this year. Uh, he's playing with a confidence and a freedom that he didn't have last year as a freshman. And he's got a good handle on him. He can, you know, handle the ball in the open court. And he's going to have some tomahawk jams that are going to be highlight reel specials. So uh, I think just the extra dimension he's got, uh, along with you know, being that rim presence and rim protector, like the Virginia transfer you mentioned, and uh, once DeSue comes back. so uh, But Dylan Mitchell, I think, is going to take his game to another level. Um, moving over to the basketball game that we played on Wednesday night, the Texas women were ranked 13th in their AP preseason poll. They open up their season uh, against Southern. Then on Sunday afternoon, Liberty comes to town for another match. If you want to see what Vic Schaefer and his uh, very stacked uh, team looks like this year, they pretty much return everyone except for Sonia Morris off of last year's uh, last year's team. So this team comes in with a lot of expectations. Same question. I'll be able to participate in this one since I actually cover the women. But said, uh, we'll start with you again, since Kirk steals all these answers. Um, Who's who's one member of the uh, women's basketball team that you're looking forward to? And we're we're not including Rory Harmon. We, we talk enough about Rory. <laughs> oh, she's, she's so spectacular. But who's the player you're looking at for this season? They're going to need Deanna Gaston to be a junkyard dog. They're going to need her to be one of those 12-point, 10-rebound types because she has a skill set to, to, to get all the loose balls like a Dennis Rodman type. She's a good finisher at the bucket. She's a really good defender. She's got to stay out of foul trouble. But I think that if she can take a step up and stay out of the doghouse, 
You spent some time in that doghouse last year, Daniel. She can stay out of that doghouse and 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 go up a, a notch on her game. I really think that they're going to be a force. And on those nights when the jumpers aren't falling, she can be a difference maker cleaning up underneath. I'll be I'll be captain obvious here and go with Madison Booker, the six wife, six one freshman. Uh, is she a point guard? Is she a power forward? Is she a basketball player? She basketball. can play positions one through four and probably will. And uh, so she can score for them. And she's a physical presence. She's she's a uh, stout and she can uh, make some trouble for uh, other teams uh, inside as well as outside. And, and besides being able to score, he was the number 12 prospect in the nation. She can spell Rory a little bit. She's got the handle too. So maybe Rory's minutes will cut down from 40 to 39 maybe even 38. So, but Madison Booker, she's a star in the making. I'm going to go with uh, Shayla Gonzalez. Um, I think this Texas team has a lot of talent in the paint, especially once Deanna and Aaliyah Moore get healthy. Deanna's probably going to miss the first week or two with, with an ankle issue and Aaliyah's working her way back from that knee injury. But you talk about those two, you add in Taylor Jones, you add in Hattie, Hattie Faye, who isn't going to give you 20 points a game, but just owns the glass and it's a great great rebounder you know madison wherever you want to put her whether you want to put her in the paint or on the perimeter oh she's talented enough to play play over but this team i don't really know where the shooters are coming from especially since sonia yeah. is no longer there um shay holly can can hit some some threes for you but she's not going to be shooting 10 threes a game um you know gisella mayul from cedar park she she's a pretty decent shooter as we saw in the exhibition match, but you know she's a fresh going to be essentially a freshman. She joined the team midseason last year, so I'm kind of wondering where the shooting's coming from. The obvious answer is Shaley, who's a six year senior, came back for another another year, able to use that COVID COVID year um, after transferring in from BYU ahead of last season was probably their leading scorer, probably their top shooter um, when Sonia was hurt. So this team's going to need some shooting. Um, we'll see if Rory's shot develops a little bit more. Um, and she's, she's been promising it to us. We're going to see if, if it, it, if that happened, but Shaylee, we know what we, we can get from her and it's going to be interesting to see if she kind of becomes that just a knockdown threat. They need a six point. They're down by six in the final minute to speed her and see, uh, see what happens. But she's the one I'm keeping my eye on, even though I don't know if I'm winning any points saying the starting guard who started 36 games <laughs> last year as a person to keep an eye on, but that's, that's what I'm going to go with. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in seeing, uh, the women's basketball team, they open up on Wednesday. Once again, the men will, will be back in action at the Moody Center on Friday night, and the women play again on Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. You can read about all that stuff, all our football, all our volleyball, all our soccer coverage, all that stuff on station.com, or you can actually pick up a print newspaper if you still still get those delivered delivered to your house. <laughs> but uh, it will all be in there over the next, uh, next, next couple of days, and We'll be back next week to talk about what happened this past weekend as well as preview, get you all ready for the Iowa State game. I'm gonna get my sweater out. I'm ready, ready for nice, uh, nice chilly, chilly aims. Although I've, I've been hearing it's not gonna be actually that cold. I've been I heard someone say coming in the 50s, which is a little disappointing. I I, I want 20 degree weather, but I mean of I course you do. Names. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm the only one. Me, me looking and like a true Montanan. Me and Jake Majors, we, we we like the cold, but that's uh, that's about it. But that's going to do it for us. We appreciate you all watching on YouTube or wherever you watch it. We appreciate you listening to us um, wherever you get your podcasts. But, yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, for Kirk, Cedric, I'm Danny. Deuces. Dave. 
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.